0: Welcome to the Leadership U podcast.
1: Support for Leadership U comes from Patridos. Listen, if you're looking for trendy, comfortable, and eco-friendly clothing, this place is for you. I personally love the hats and sweaters from here. I'm actually wearing both right now. The designs are cool and have a little bit of a minimalist style. It's super trendy and comfy. I'm all about it. But they don't just have apparel. They have home goods, art, and lots of other stuff. Baba, I know you're a fan of the mugs. We love all the products and are big fans. And with worldwide shipping, you can order from anywhere on the planet. You can find them online at www.patridos.com. That's www.p-a-t-r-i-d-o-s.com Leadership You podcast listeners get 10% off their first order with promo code PODCAST. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Leadership You. This is your host, Christina. And Jim. (laughs) And we are super excited because today we have a very special guest with us. So I'm going to do his official introduction, but then we're going to have him jump on. Um, So we have Rodney Cox with us today. And uh, in 2001, Rodney founded Ministry Insights International, which is a ministry dedicated to strengthening relationships in the workplace, in marriages, and in families, which we love. We're all about that. Um, But since then, Rodney has become one of the country's leaders in the strengths movement. His leading from your strengths framework has impacted over 1 million leaders, teams, couples worldwide. Um, So Rodney is also an in-demand speaker and author of the books, leading from your strengths, love and money and different by design. And he also hosts the strongteams.com podcast, which we're going to be hopping on um, later so if you guys haven't checked out his podcast make sure you do that again it's called the strong teams podcast so you want to check him out he's got great guests on there and of course we're biased but we're going to be on there so he has a very very good guests mm-hmm. um, but we're so excited to have you Ronnie thanks so much for being on the leadership you podcast
2: oh Christina and Jim thank you for having me I'm so excited for our conversation today and and we look once again look forward to interviewing you guys as well so excited for the day
1: yeah. Uh, so, Ronnie, whenever we start off leadership, we, we usually start with an icebreaker question. Um, so, uh, Baba and Ronnie, today I have a good one for you guys. It is, what is something people are surprised to learn about you? Who wants to go first?
0: Hmm.
1: Baba, do you have yours yet or no? You need. I, I, I do have
0: one. Okay, you go
1: first.
3: So, Ronnie, we spoke a little bit earlier. Uh, the kids were all homeschooled and raised mm-hmm. up, and uh, all the kids are uh, gifted. They play musical instruments. They, they're artists, they're worshipers, they're singers. I cannot play anything. I can't (laughs) sing anything and I can't draw anything. So this is, uh, people always ask me, where do the kids get her from? I always say it's from my wife's side of the family and obviously it's from the Lord as well. But, uh, that's something I, I think. Uh,
1: I thought you played guitar in college, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> no, no,
3: I I, pl- I plucked. I
2: didn't play.
1: Uh, <laughs> how about how about you, Ronnie? What is something people are surprised to learn about you?
2: Yeah, and my kids too. I mean, my youngest daughter can play anything she picks up. It's so embarrassing, and I'm the <laughs> same way. I can't. I I can't. I can't even pluck a tune, Jim. So, uh, so so here's something interesting. So I grew up in Waco, Texas.
1: Oh, okay, the wow. accent. Yes.
2: And we were there during the whole Koresh debacle. Right. And, um, uh, but um, I love how uh, the fixer uppers have basically redeemed the whole Waco story, but here's the, here's, here's the icebreaker. So I took my wife, Elizabeth Ann to the County courthouse. I was 18 years old. She was 23 and I married her in less than 15 minutes. Judge Stanley Rents, true story. He, in his Secretary was our uh what do you call it? Witness, Witness. or whatever. Yeah. Now wow my mom and dad weren't super happy and neither were hers, but we're grateful for 39 years of amazing marriage. So
0: wow,
1: I would have never guessed. That's
2: actually a fantastic. And at story. such a
1: young age, did your parents know you were going to do it beforehand, or did you was that a sneak attack?
2: Oh no, no, no. <laughs> uh they we were engaged but they had no clue and and uh you know Elizabeth was she's just like at the end of her rope like I wish this was all over with and I'm like <laughs> baby we can make that happen <laughs> <That's very exciting. laughs> And we did. <laughs>
1: oh man that is such a you guys have such interesting backgrounds oh, wow I <laughs> feel like we're gonna find uncover a lot of stuff today um so for me, I think one of the biggest things that people are surprised to learn about me when they first learn uh, Meet Me is that I actually have a degree because most people are like, oh, you, so you did go to college.
0: <laughs>
1: I think I always pitch people off guard um, anytime I talk about my degree. So I think that's always a happy little accident. People come up and they're like, oh, I would have never guessed it. But I always tell them um, it's because I had Google. So I know wow. like my professors um, didn't have that luxury when they were in school, yeah. but Google helped me through a lot of schooling. So thanks. Yeah. Shout out to Google. for Yeah.
2: PhDs used to be expensive, right? Yeah. Now You just go to Google. Yeah. It's the PhD <laughs> of the world, right?
1: You find everything. Yeah. <laughs> Google helps me. So, but that's so funny. Wow. Okay. So actually, um, today, Rodney, we're finishing up our series. We've been going through a series called um, High Performing Teams. And we've been breaking down the different traits of high performing teams. And I wanted to, um, preface this um, because you're going to be telling us a little bit about your per, your background and how you have um, strongteams.com is uh, what mm-hmm. you're working on. So you're very familiar with what it takes to have a strong, high-performing team. And so that's why we wanted to bring you on the podcast for uh, this episode. Um, but today we're going to be talking about specifically about the idea of commitment within high-performing teams. Um, but mm-hmm. before we jump into that, uh, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about your background, your experience, and your organization.
2: Yeah. So I already mentioned uh, my wife, Elizabeth Ann, of 39 years. Just celebrated that in February. Uh, I have two girls. Uh, one lives here in Western Carolina where Elizabeth and I live. The other lives in College Station. And uh, I have four grandchildren with another on the way. And. Aww. Um, you know, really where my desire to help leaders was were, was really birthed and, you know, really to help them build strong teams really started back in 1990 uh, when I encountered a Sunday school teacher. Mm. Um, that Sunday school teacher I played golf with every Saturday morning and um, Elizabeth and I were having some real troubles in our marriage. Mm. And he was observant enough to see that. And one morning he asked me, he said, you know, it looks like you and Elizabeth having a few few issues. Would you like some help? And I humbled myself enough to say, well, why not? Mm -hmm. And so uh, Elizabeth and I sat down at their dinner table one afternoon, one evening with uh, this gentleman, this Sunday school teacher and his wife. And in 90 short minutes through the power of the Holy Spirit, the truth of God's word and a simple temperament assessment, our lives were changed. Wow. Wow. Uh, It changed my professional life and it changed my personal life forever. Mm. And it was in that moment that I really saw the power of the truth of God's word and establishing and setting it plainly before people and then being able to tangibilize kind of our temperamental differences using assessment. Is really what birthed that desire inside of me. And um, so I set off on a journey. I was a regional manager for Snap-on Tools Corporation at the time. I left that job and went to work for that Sunday school teacher in 1990 and um, set off on a journey to help people understand the strengths that God had given them Mm. and what he hadn't given them. And for the people in which were entrusted to them, what if they actually discovered what it was that God had entrusted to them? and kind of lean into our differences instead of resist our differences. So in 2001, I actually founded, you already said, um, ministry insights and that was founded on the heels of the very first temperament assessment ever being created for online use. And I patented that with two other guys in Scottsdale, Arizona, and basically have been on a journey ever since to really help leaders build strong teams. And, uh, Uh, It's my life work. It's my passion. And I do that not only with teams, but we do that with couples. We think that there's no greater capital that a person can possess than relational capital.
0: Yeah.
2: And uh, it's really the only thing that will cover our multitude of mistakes. And because we're going to make mistakes and it's our love that will see us through that.
1: That's great. Um, So talking about High performing teams, specifically, Rodney, um, and then specifically the trait of commitment within those teams. So, why do you think commitment is important for developing a high performing team?
2: Yeah, so it's a great question. Every time I hear the word commitment, it's like it makes me pause. And I, because <laughs> I think commitment comes in two forms. So I'd really like to just talk about the word commitment for yes, a moment yeah. before I talk about developing high performance teams. So, So when I work with leaders, really, I see two times of commitment. One is defined as an employment obligation, right? I hire you. I expect you to execute on my vision. You're obligated to my vision, and you're responsible for the outcomes. And I think that this type of commitment is incredibly restrictive. It always leads to the loss of freedom. Um, and especially freedom of action and true actions out of an individual. And it builds a culture where people hide from their mistakes and, and fear truly tends to rule the culture. Mm -hmm. And the second type of commitment, which is what I think we want to lean in today. And I think I want to paint the picture of that so that every principle that we, we talk about today, we can lean into this, this commitment. This is what our outcome, I think the outcome we're looking for Mm Um, And what truly high performance teams are built on. And I think this commitment actually is fostered out of a dedication to an idea bigger than anyone else in the room. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And I I think when we start pursuing um, vision of a leader outside of a bigger vision, then what happens is we find ourselves more in that transactional relationship. But leaders who invite people into the big idea, and then release them to devote themselves to the outcomes of that big idea, actually foster faithfulness. And not only faithfulness, it actually establishes this incredible bond of attentiveness to each other's actions. What is it that we're doing that actually is producing the outcome that we're looking for? Wow. Wow. And there's accountability in that. And I I think that it divides, it creates a totally different culture, culture where people feel valued, where they feel understood, and where they're contributing at the highest level possible. And I, I think that what rules that culture is really trust and respect. So what what I tend to see when I ask a leader after describing those two different forms of commitment, I say, which one would you pick? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think they always pick, guys?
1: Yeah, number two.
0: The
2: number two, it's a no-brainer, right? Yeah. And then I ask them to grab their Bible and open to First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse one. Uh-huh. And before I have them read the verse, I say something like this. I say, I think we can both agree, guys. And I think Jim and you and Christina would agree that the Corinthians had great zeal for God in spreading the gospel. Would you agree with that?
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. But there was
2: great quarreling and division amongst them. Mm -hmm. And Paul knew that a house divided against itself couldn't stand. And it definitely wouldn't stand the test of time. So he loved the Corinthians enough to write to them to help them examine the strategy in which they had deployed and where they might have taken the wrong fork in the road.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: maybe they could get back on track, right?
0: Yeah.
2: And so that verse 1 in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul tells us the reason why he writes the letter. Mm-hmm. He says, I, about spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I want you to no longer be uninformed.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Some translations say unaware. Other translations say ignorant. Mm -hmm. And so in an audience of your size, I know that there are listeners listening to this broadcast today that have a real mess on their hands. Yeah. And they're discouraged and they're despaired. And it is truly my prayer today that the insights that we share on this word commitment will be transformational maybe as transformational as that encounter I had with that Sunday school teacher around that table.
1: Wow. That is so good. Thank you, Rodney. I I have never thought of it that way, breaking down commitment with those two different yeah. levels, but it's so
0: true.
3: And um, what um, a side effect of uh, this, Rodney, is that uh, loyalty, of yeah. the of the, the person to the vision but also to the man or woman leading that vision you know this that's kind of a thing that kind of slips away a lot of times now but people want to be loyal they they, they want to trust someone they want to respect someone yeah so I think that's like a, a, a that's like a thread that kind of runs through this but also uh, something that people can cling to and help them grow So I do love that uh, the way you broke that down. I choose number
0: two.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and loyalty, that's a big word too, right? It's like in 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 faithfulness, what does it mean to be faithful, you know, to what we've committed to and how we're going to execute on that and be accountable to it. And yes, that should breed deep loyalty, right? But it should be, it should breed loyalty to the right things and the right outcomes, something that's biblically centered, not, uh, you know, just chasing the wind of sorts. Oh,
1: so good. Yeah. Um, so for a follow-up question then to that is, how can we increase commitment levels within our team members? Maybe we already have a team going and we've been going for a long time. How can we um, increase our team members' commitment so they feel even more loyal to the organization or to us?
2: Yeah, ma'am, what a great question. So, So what I tend to see is the longer that we're together as a team, the longer that we journey together, the more liberties we take with each other. Ah, okay. Okay. So, so, so let me explain that a little bit. Yeah. So what happens is, is over time, if we're not careful, if you're called leader,
0: mm-hmm.
2: we'll tend to elevate ourselves above others. Mm-hmm. And we do that unknowingly and intentionally and unwillingly. We get lulled into it. We truly start buying the lie that we bring something to the table that's more valuable than someone else.
0: Wow, yeah.
2: And it creates incredible isolation and and the lack of performance. There's no performance in that.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And so I truly believe that it starts with a leader that's willing to step down and serve.
0: Oh, so good.
2: (laughs) Instead of where to step up and lead.
0: So good. I think
2: it's a whole lot more about leveling the playing field than elevating the playing field. That's good. And I use the verse out of Romans 12, 3 through 5 to justify what I just said. And it says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. For just as each of us has one body and many members, and though its members do not all have the same function." So in Christ we though many form one body and each member belongs to the other yeah in my opinion, there is no greater passage in all of Scripture that establishes a more clear ethos for biblical leadership yeah then to not think more highly of yourself than you ought that God has given you assignment, you didn't earn it, you don't deserve it, you're just called to steward it yes. Mm-hmm. That every one of us has an insi- assignment. We each have a contribution, <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: and I don't belong to myself. I actually belong to you.
0: <laughs> wow, that's so good. Yeah, that's great.
2: And, and I think if we carry that as a le- leadership ethos, and I look to the needs of others above my own, and I truly have a a zeal for you and my success is your success. In fact, your success is actually my success and we're fostering that type of environment that drives commitment at a level and faithfulness at a level and accountability at a level that few of us will really ever know. Um, And, but I pray that all of us will not only discover it and find it, but, but, but we'll actually start leading with that ethos.
1: Um, the way you broke that down too, it just made me think of all my past experiences working under different leaders and how many times I felt, honestly, I felt more committed to the organization or the team when a leader got down to my level and was in the trenches with me versus the ones that were trying to make themselves look good and would have me running around trying to make yeah. them look good. Yeah. And so breaking it down like that, I'm like, oh, now it clicks. That's kind of the difference between the leadership styles is when they're in there next to me with me, supporting me and serving. Mm-hmm feels so much different when you're trying to make a leader, you know, look good for their bosses.
3: So we absolutely a, uh retired colonel uh, at our, mm-hmm. our uh, church, who is a, a former um, uh, company commander, uh,
2: mm-hmm.
3: Arier Jets and <laughs> uh Vietnam vet, fantastic leadership man. Yeah. Um, one of the great things that I remember, one of the great lessons he uh, taught me was uh, he goes, you're always being watched. By those around you, those above you, those below you, those with you, yeah. and he said um, he learned that early on. And then what he would do, he goes even in the smallest detail. I would always be there with the men. He says whenever we had chow time, two or three hundred uh, soldiers would line up for to eat. Instead of being first in line, he would be the last.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
3: he said the men saw that and they realized this guy's he's he's with us. He's not against us. Yeah. And uh, Chuck told me that uh, also as a leader, he was able to observe the process and the systems and, and see what the men were going through. Right. So he was looking at what kind of food they were getting when you're last in line. He was looking at how they were treated. He was looking at how things were taken care of in the building. And um, he said that that was probably one of the greatest lessons he ever learned about leadership, yeah. uh, putting others first. Uh, scriptural. Yeah. You know, yeah. Others first.
2: A- absolutely, we interviewed a Navy SEAL not long ago. Uh, his name was Matthew Gumby, and and uh, he used this word authenticity as a leader, wow. and how it breeds commitment. And I thought it was an interesting word, so we dove in, dove into it deeper. And what he went on to say is, he says, "Well, he says if we have a leader in the SEALs that's not willing to know when they don't have a competency, wow. and then they still lead, people die." Wow. He yeah, said, yeah. so the greatest leaders among us, especially in a SEAL unit, is when a leader says, I don't have that competency, and he actually passes the baton yes. wow. to someone else. Yeah,
0: so good.
2: Boy, that's great. And and uh, you know, what a what what a wise man. And and you you think about that a minute, and you and, but it's right in the center of this, right? It's like looking to the needs of others above. Of our own, being, being willing not to elevate myself above others, being willing to step down and be part of the team—all of that I think is really, really important to fostering the commitment we speak to above in that uh, example number two. No,
0: that's so
1: that's so wise. How do you feel that vision plays into our team's commitment level?
2: So when you ask me that question, I must be honest. The first thing that pops in my mind, being from Texas, yeah, I was from Texas. Uh, so confession here, really is a song that was written, written by Willie Whalen and the Boys called Luke and Bach, Texas.
0: Please tell me you're going to sing it for us.
2: <laughs> no, I'm not, because I can't sing.
0: Really gifts, like- <laughs>
2: <laughs> but there's a line in that song that says, this successful life for living's got us feuding like the Hatfields and McCoys. <laughs> Maybe it's time we get back to the basics of love.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah.
2: And I think that success or vision, vision is more about success, right? What does success look like? This is our vision. And I think success is so hard to articulate. Yeah. And it's it, and it's so hard to do clearly, no doubt. Um, but I think vision is important. I think it's a must. Uh, mm-hmm. But what I tend to see foster more commitment, once again, than anything else, is a leader Uh, that once again is willing uh, to commit to others over themselves. Mm -hmm. I I just can't um, reiterate that uh, and say that uh, enough. Vision's important, but the commitment of a leader to put others before themselves is so, so important. In other words, I, I, I tend to see it this way, that if you and I are going to serve together and I'm responsible for leading you and God's entrusted your time and your talent and your treasure to me,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that it's important for me to get to know you. I need to understand who you are.
0: Yeah. I need
2: to understand what it is that you offer, what it is that you contribute. What are the things I, positions I can put you in where you're going to fail? Mm-hmm. Lord forbid I would ever do that intentionally or knowingly. Yeah. And then once I entrust something to you, I I want to to release you to freely contribute. And as you freely contribute your time, your talent and your treasure, I think that creates an incredible amount of commitment and faithfulness, loyalty, as you've stated, Jim. Um, And I think that a, a leader that is willing to gain collective vision over individual vision, it goes back to that idea bigger than anyone in the room, If it's all about the leader, I love the first line of Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, that says it's not about you. (laughs) And if we're not careful, our vision actually becomes all about us instead of, once again, something bigger than me and you. And once again, I think if we can foster that collective vision, uh, that, that in in very purposeful action, then that, that actually leads to individuals having a sense of accomplishment and success versus just kind of batting at the wind or chasing the wind, uh, which I think so many vision statements, um, if we're not careful, um, really foster. It's just a, a chase, a chase towards nothing. Sounds good, but there's really no substance or meaning in it.
1: That's really good insights. Yeah. Um, so I guess jumping off of that idea, that concept is what are some simple ways that we can start making our members feel valued as part of the team to foster that commitment level between leaders and followers to, to invest in them and show that we care and build that relationship.
2: Yeah. So when we come into a messy situation or or, you know, a lead leader that wants to increase, you know, their performance uh, and commitment levels, the first thing we do is we actually do uh, team building. We, We use our leading from your strengths assessment to actually takes about eight to 10 minutes to complete. At the end of that, it's going to produce a 22 or 23 page word picture on your God-given strengths. And we then uh, use workbooks and things like that in order to foster some purposeful conversation. Like, what is it that I actually have to contribute? What is it that I don't have to contribute? What do you have to contribute? And how can I invite that into what I don't have? And when we do that, we actually have more together. And I think, so so I think in order for people to feel valued, they need to feel understood. And I think that needs to be done somewhat objectively, where today we do it very subjectively. I think that uh, the processes that we use and what we've tried to do over the last 20, you know, two years, and I think why we've touched so many people is because it produces the right outcome. It produces Uh, the increase of relational capital and commitment through processes to where we truly get to know each other better. And we actually have a deeper level of relational capital, which, which um, uh, deepens our commitment and trust for one another and our understanding for one another. And people truly feel valued and appreciated and feel like that they're contributing that value in a meaningful way. So personally, I think there, I know that organizations are moving so fast, especially nonprofits with volunteers and so on and so forth. It's like we're moving so fast, we don't take the time to sharpen our ax. We don't take the time to stop and actually build the relational capital that we need to build.
0: Yeah,
1: No, that's so good. And I'm just thinking back as you were describing that to all the um, interactions I've had with my leaders and how much more effective I felt as a team member when they understood me and they did understand my strengths and my weaknesses and where I was coming from and, and how they could help me grow. And you're right it does foster that relationship and makes you feel more committed and investing mm-hmm. in the you feel part of the organization more yeah. so um that's so helpful um and then finally I have one more question for you here um uh, yeah. it's how does making people feel like they're part of the team increase commitment so would you say that increases their commitment level if they feel like they're part of the team versus maybe an outsider
2: yeah so so I, I um I, I tend to see it play itself out more in volunteers versus paid staff. Right. If uh, Volunteers will always gravitate to the second form of commitment we talked about. Right. Yeah. Because why would I volunteer for something that I don't, I don't feel like <laughs> has meaning. <laughs> right. I wouldn't do that. Right? right. But we have to be careful because what tends to happen is, is that we invite volunteers in without doing that due diligence. We don't screen them. Then we don't clearly articulate the vision. Then we don't know their strengths or their weaknesses. And then the volunteer finds out that they've been misled or they feel like that they're not making that contribution and they're not getting paid for it. (laughs) And then it, then it moves to a transactional relationship. You move back up to the stage one of commitment instead of, instead of truly staying in that space of purposeful and meaningful action. And, uh, and uh, where people are free to flourish. And so what we ascribe to the value, whether you're hiring paid people or whether you're paying, uh, if you want a co- commitment, okay, an increased commitment on your team, uh, whether you're hiring paid staff or whether, uh, whether you're um, inviting volunteers in, you, you have to use the same process. You treat them, we, we treat them the same. I even say it this way. If you bring a volunteer into your organization and you put them in the wrong seat of the bus and six months from today, you have poor performance. Tell me how you solved that problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not
2: real easy. Right. And so, so just like we expect expectations out of our paid staff and we want that commitment, we need that out of our volunteers and we should never assume that a volunteer is going to be committed. It's up to the leader in order to foster a culture and environment where people feel valued, where they feel understood, and where they're contributing at the highest level. That is the leader's role in, in, uh, in resourcing those individuals to thrive. That's in our DNA.
1: Wow. Rodney, thank you so much. You've dropped so much wisdom for our listeners. I know they're just going to so, get so much out of our conversation today. That was amazing.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. I'm I'm grateful for your broadcast. I'm grateful for all you do to help strengthen teams. And uh, we're, we we look forward to journeying with you guys uh, in the future.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah. You have to promise that you'll come back on, on the podcast again sometime soon. You promise.
2: I promise <laughs> uh, let me know, let me know. And we'll get something on the calendar. So.
1: Oh, that's such a treat.
3: And, uh, we look forward to, uh, partnering with you in the future because we do have a lot of common goals, a lot of common, um, desires. We want to see people built up for the kingdom of God and Amen. Running, running loose using their gifts, Yeah, not restrained, not shackled, but cut loose to run and do what God's created them to do. And so, uh, It really is an honor meeting you, sir. And we do look forward to doing some more things with you in the future.
2: Well, I'm grateful. Thank
0: you.
1: And Ronnie. before we go out, can you tell our listeners um, where they can learn more about you, where to purchase some of your books and get some resources from you guys?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, strongteams.com, that's that's not a hard one to remember. <laughs> uh, strongteams.com, you can go to strongteams.com and get anything you want, any click and mortar, Amazon, you know, whatever. Uh, we got a lot of articles and free stuff at our website, uh, as well as objective and good processes. And so, um, yeah, that's the best way to find us, just strongteams.com.
1: All right. You guys heard him. Make sure you check him out. You can also find out we'll tag some of his stuff on our own website. So um, you can find out more about him as well and his organization at the volunteer you.org. So again, Ronnie, thanks so much for being on the uh, leadership you podcast and we look forward to having him again soon.
2: Thank you.
0: Bye-bye guys. So long. Thank you for listening to the leadership you podcast. For more resources for leaders, visit our website at volunteeru.org.